The Brooklyn Vegan Show is a podcast about music brought to you by the music blog and online record store Brooklyn Vegan. Make sure to subscribe to hear all of our upcoming episodes featuring interviews with musicians and more, and find us 24-7 at brooklynvegan.com, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hey, welcome to the new episode of the Brooklyn Vegan Show. I'm BV editor Andrew Sacker, and today's episode is an interview with Cat Moss, vocalist of one of the best current hardcore bands going right now, Scowl. Scowl formed in Santa Cruz, California in the spring of 2019. They released a demo and an EP called Reality After Reality that year. Then the pandemic hit, Scowl got into the studio, they ended up signing to Flat Spot Records and made their first full-length album, How Flowers Grow, which came out in 2021. Now, Scowl are about to return with a new EP, Psychic Dance Routine, out April 7th via Flat Spot, and it marks a huge step up for the band. There's a lot more clean vocals on it, it mixes hardcore with other styles of music, uh, there's a lot of 90s alternative rock vibes, they cite things like Nirvana, Hole, it's a really, really good record, and I think Scal is just at an exciting turning point in their career right now, and it was awesome to get to talk to Kat about everything going on in their world right now, including an upcoming performance at Coachella, their recent tour opening for Limb Biscuit, covering Fugazi at the Sound and Fury Festival, the hand-picked openers on their recent headlining tour, influences for their new music, the way the hardcore scene has been growing and changing these past few years, a little bit of word on an upcoming full-length album from Scowl, and much more. We are not only thrilled for the Psychic Dance Routine EP to be finally getting released, we've also got an exclusive color vinyl variant of it in the Brooklyn Vegan store, shop.brooklynvegan.com, and we encourage you to pick that up if you're interested. Also, before we get to the conversation, just a little bit about our sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid is a service for musicians that allows you to easily upload your music to all major streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Music, and more. DistroKid allows you to do automatic revenue splits so collaborators and co-writers can get paid too. It provides you with an artist page that links to your music on all streaming services. It allows you to add lyrics, credits, and liner notes, and more. You can get 30% off of your first year's membership by signing up at distrokid.com slash VIP slash Brooklyn Vegan. We've also included the link in the description of this episode, and you can click directly from there. And now, my conversation with Kat from Scowl. I guess the first thing is uh, Coachella, huh? Yeah. Um, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what was your reaction like how did that work out like did your booking agent hit you up and say hey you got an offer from Coachella or so we played a show um at the Roxy put on by Golden Voice for their Jingle Bell Roxy um series of shows it was really cool to get the offer and of course working with Golden Voice is kind of a dream um we knew they they booked Coachella so we felt like that was a really special opportunity um and about a week after that show, which happened to sell out and it was like a really great experience, we got the offer. And I was sitting on my couch and we got the text like in a group chat with um with our managers. And it pretty much was like, yo, Coachella 2023 offer. And I was like, no, you guys are pulling my leg. I like sent voice memos to the group chat and I said, you better not be messing with me right now. Like I will mess you up. Um, and we all kind of like freaked out. And, and that was, that was, um, 
not that long ago. And then the announcement was made. We didn't know when that was going to drop. And so I didn't know when it, uh, when the lineup got dropped. Um, my best friend called me while she was at work and she was like, Hey, do you know why I'm calling you? And I was like, no, like what's going on? Is everything okay? And she's like, Coachella announcement. And I was like, no way. So it was really cool. It felt very like triumphant. It was a great experience. That's awesome. Have you been to Coachella before? Yes, actually. Um, I had a really cool experience going um, when I was 18 in 2016. Um, and I hadn't originally planned to go, um, but my sister got tickets. She was going to go with a friend. Her friend bailed. So she was like, you're coming with me, whether you like it or not. And I, I was kind of like, no, nah, I'm not going to that. But then I saw Rancid on the lineup and some other bands I was really into, like Girl Pool, The Front Bottoms. I liked Halsey. Saucia. It was a really cool experience. That's awesome. Who are you excited to see this year? Um, I'm very excited to see Boy Genius and The Breeders. Um, I love Young Lean. I'm really excited about Young Lean. Um, I'm excited about Frank Ocean, obviously. Like, that's a big deal. He's headlining. I mean, hope, hopefully it's it, it, he, he plays. You know, he's kind of elusive that way. Um, I'm excited about Soul Glow and Knocked Loose. Also, like it's it's cool to have like some some contemporary, some like hardcore camaraderie there. Like I I have no idea what the perspective is gonna be like as someone who's playing it. So I'm very excited to see that, you know. Yeah, I mean I so I've never been to Coachella. Yeah. Um, but I'm on the East Coast. It's more of a trek for me. Um, but I am always curious about like, you know, like I think last year they also booked some punk bands and I'm like, I wonder like how those sets go down. Like, are they amazing or are they like, do people at Coachella not fully realize, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, from my experience, the bands that play earlier in the day and most likely like we'll be playing early in the day, Mm -hmm. there's less of a crowd. Of course, people are like hungover. They're still asleep in their camping sites. It's everyone kind of like meanders you know and it's very much like it's from my experience when I went it was very party centric so like you know those earlier indie or rock bands maybe like more music fans showed up for those and less people who were just kind of trying to party um so the crowd's different but they're very responsive in my experience and it's really cool to see that like people you know there was multiple bands I saw that I had never heard of before and I they got me so hyped up and it was really fun and it was a great experience I saw a lot of artists I had never heard of and now like I listen to nonstop. like uh Courtney Barnett for example I had not really heard of her when I went in 2016 and fell in love with her watched the set couldn't stop listening to her music immediately after it was a great time that's awesome and she is like so good live and like the kind of person that can yeah like I feel like you could really get one over without even mm-hmm. knowing the songs. Absolutely. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and I'm really grateful for that because I've i always been a music fan and a live music fan, but that specific experience at Coachella, I kind of went in like, this isn't for me. I'm not one of these people, you know? And and um, you get this kind of idea of, of who would go to Coachella, right? Um, so I was kind of like anti and then going and and as a music fan, as a live music fan, it won me over completely. And I, I actually think the experience is so magical. Um, it's overwhelming, <laughs> but it's really magical. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And I just, I agree. I mean, I feel like just as a live music fan, like getting out of your comfort zone and like going to the type of show or festival that you might think you don't fit in at, you might be like, oh, wow, like I had an amazing experience there. Exactly. I I have a really special experience when I saw Rancid at Coachella. That was the first time I'd seen them and I was so excited. And um, the punk showed up. It was so cool. There was like a bunch of punks there somehow. And they were going nuts, like circle pits, you know, and, and people were uh, crowd surfing. I got a, I broke a nail because people were crowd surfing on me and I was right up front and I got the set list and I still have that set list. And that was like such a special memory. Yeah, that's sick. Um, so speaking of festivals, yeah. uh, Scal also has like this amazing set from Sound and Fury this past year. Uh, I was also not there again, East Coast. <laughs> yeah, um, it's hard. But uh, I want to go so bad one of these years. Yeah. But I watched video on YouTube and like, I mean, it looked amazing. And like, what really stood out to me is how sort of like egalitarian it seemed. Like, I mean, you were on yeah. in broad daylight and your crowd looked just as big as like the like quote unquote headliners. Yeah, I, I thought that was so cool. I really got nervous thinking like maybe you know, being like midday um, and and also being like, I don't mean to focus on this specifically because I usually avoid focusing on it, but I did feel intimidated being the only band like um, with a woman like singing that day. And I, I, not that that reflects on the fan base or hardcore community, but more so I just, I felt like scared, like maybe I couldn't compete, you know, I was really insecure. Um, and I, of course that I was proved wrong immediately and we had a really, really fun, high energy, like dangerous, insane set. And, and the thing that I love about hardcore and like the community is because nobody like holds back, you know, the first band of the day, everyone's moshing, everyone's going crazy, just the same amount as the last band, the headliner, um, when it comes to hardcore fest. So I, I love that. There's really no no stops. For sure. Now, opening with that Fugazi cover, that was awesome too. What what like what sparked that decision? Um, we talked about opening with a cover or like maybe like, you know, half of a cover. Something to get people's attention. And that really was the the point. We were like, we're gonna make sure everyone turns around, like, is that Fugazi? Like you know, we, we wanted mm-hmm. to get everyone's attention with that. And it worked out really well. I'm, I'm really proud of everyone. And we practiced it a lot because we wanted it to be on point, you know. And and the cool thing about that is now people bring it up and like we're talking about it now. And of course, and it's, it's a really special experience. And people always ask, like, do it again, do it again. And we're like, no, it's not happening again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it definitely I mean, again, like once it hit the internet too, it just felt like, yeah. oh shit, like scalloping with, you know, waiting room. Like <laughs> uh, it's, it's like a thing immediately. And I mean, that's like the song that everybody knows. And yeah. usually I'm, I'm kind of like, let's do a deeper cut guys. Like, and, mm-hmm. and this was one of those instances where we were like, no, like this is a band we look up to, you know, these are heroes to us. We got to do the classic. We got to do the one that everyone knows, you know, and it worked. It was awesome. I'm glad we did it. I'm glad we did it well. I'm proud of the band. I'm proud of myself. I'm really happy people liked it. Yeah. Um, now, just kind of talking about like these different festivals, like like you said before, like Coachella yeah. seemed like a place that maybe wouldn't be for like 
punks and hardcore kids, I feel like already Scowl is a band that just works in these different contexts. Like you have Coachella, yeah. the hardcore festivals, like Sound and Fury and Outbreak. And then you're playing that like new metal festival, Sick New World. Yeah. Um, and that obviously was... like you just, yeah, go ahead. That's just so crazy to me. Like the fact that we got, um, like we're playing Sick New World is also nuts to me. There's so many like friends bands that I've talked to about that who like fit the bill so much more. And they're like, why aren't we playing that? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how it happened, but we did it. Like I'm excited. I kind of just love in general how like, yeah. I guess where hardcore is at right now, it's like new metal festivals are like, we need the new hardcore scene. And then like Coachella is like, we need to represent the new hardcore scene. Yeah. Like it's just like a weird and awesome moment. It's It makes me very hopeful because um, when I first started in Scal, I had no anticipation to ever like, you know, get uh, play play rooms bigger than like a hundred cap, you know, play any lineups besides mainly hardcore and, and play fests that were, mainly hardcore but now we're at a place where it's like Coachella like that's nuts um you know and and that's really exciting I'm really grateful for that um but it is it's so shocking and so like odd in a good way um but it it's totally weird I feel like I'm living in a twilight zone sometimes for sure yeah, no, it's it's definitely weird. And and it's also weird because like, I mean, you sort of formed right before the pandemic, right? Yeah, a little bit before. So <laughs> like spring of 2019, we had like right. a good run before pandemic hit. And we were really picking up like our own momentum right when pandemic like hit. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like fascinating how yeah. like this scene that's so focused on live music it's like, okay, live music goes away for 18 months and then comes back and it's like bigger than it was when yeah. we last had live music. I think that people, hardcore fans, I think um, we're just biting the bit. I remember personally just missing that that feeling of, you know, the exhilaration of a stage dive or, you know, like moshing or, or singing along to a band. And, and there were so many bands at the time, like 2019 and going into 2020 it was a really good year at the beginning like a lot of bands were dropping really good music drain dropped their their lp um california curse and and that was like my favorite album of that year and um so i think everyone was just so like ready to go ready to just run out the gates as soon as shows came back and and go as crazy as possible and i think hardcore also just started to get more of a spotlight over the pandemic and there was a lot of new fans who came into play and and that was really exciting and also shocking as someone who went from you know going to shows that we booked together in, in our little community and maybe getting like 100 people was a big show now it's like no 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 like it's it's gonna be like thousand if not more you know and it's a lot of people i've never seen before and that's really exciting a lot of young people yeah no definitely um so speaking of new metal uh tell me a little bit about touring with limb biscuit that was amazing um it was it was such a cool experience and i'm so happy we we got that opportunity um it happened like just I, like i can't explain how it happened because i don't quite understand but i guess fred durst saw us on tiktok and liked the band a lot and so he hit us up and it it, it all kind of worked out over the span of, of from fall 20, 
21 to like spring 2022, we were on tour with them. And that tour was so much fun. And it was, it was like the first time I had experienced such a comfortable tour life. Um, because we played these big venues, we had catering, we had, you know, our own green room. And that was really cool. And I, I, I definitely miss that experience a little bit. But I also I'm just grateful that we had it. It was, it was really special, you know. How did like the Limbiscuit crowds react? They were great. They were actually so much better than I expected, to be honest. I I was expecting some weird stuff, um, but they were amazing. They loved us. And if they didn't love us, they weren't mean. You know, they they mm. were they they kept it together. And um my goal on that whole tour was to just as an opening band get the crowd excited, get them hyped up for Limp Biscuit and I'd say most of the time we did pretty all right at that. And people like were really um, interactive in the crowd. They're very, very interactive. And I mean, a Limp Bizkit show, it's like watching a comedy show partially. Like it's just so entertaining. Um, so that made it really easy in some ways. Like I, I would argue that like playing to a hardcore crowd is almost harder than like playing to the Limp Bizkit crowd. <laughs> That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I, I can definitely see that. I mean, especially like when you're at a show, like I know, like, for example, like hip hop shows, I feel like yeah. the crowd just comes to get hyped. So it's yeah. like, like I saw um like Tyler, the creator at an arena with and That's the cool. opener got like 15 minutes and he used all 15 minutes to That's... get like the entire crowd, like in the palm of his hands. And it's That's like, a, you don't really yeah. see that at like, you know, indie rock shows or punk shows like a lot, you know. I think that at that point that they like, you know, opening for Tyler the Creator, opening for Olympuska, opening for these big acts, you kind of at least I experience having the understanding that like I am no longer just like playing my set, I'm performing. And mm -hmm. there's a very big distinction there between, you know, like DIY and, and that level of of touring um and I love DIY, but I definitely think that a lot of bands and artists and people in DIY take themselves a little too serious um, when it comes to their performance. And I respect it completely. I think like I'm a fan, I'm a fan of a lot of bands that some people might find really pretentious. So it's no shade, but I do think it's, it's, it's really fun to throw yourself into performing and to really think ahead and, and um, to really get in character almost. Um, that's something that I've found like is really fun for me. It's not for everyone and I, I don't expect that, but I definitely think there's a difference. Yeah. And I mean, I think in general, that's just the difference between a live show and like making an album sometimes like. Absolutely. There's, and I, I recognize there's also bands and artists that are better maybe like recorded versus live or, or they like recording and making music way more than they like playing shows or vice versa. Like, for me, I love writing music, but recording music feels more scary than any show I've ever played because I it's it's that moment of like I can't change this. And so sometimes I do kind of like I get nervous when I know recording time comes around, you know. Mhm. Mm yeah, and it's like one wrong note on a record everybody hears forever and live like not yeah. a single person in the room would ever notice. Nope, exactly. It's it's a hyper focus on on what your ability is and as someone who's not like extremely musically experienced or talented, it can be very daunting. Mm -hmm. 
So while we're talking about sort of the vast array of artists yeah. you've played with, I mean, outside of Limbiscuit, this past year has been like Touche Amore, Destroy Boys, The Bronx, Stick yeah. to Your Guns, Circle Jerks. Like, um, I mean, doing, and then of course you did your, I think your first headlining tour, right? Like first yeah, sort of real, like official. Yeah, we, we haven't headlined in over a year. So mm. doing that run, that headlining run was, it was really scary. So, but yeah, we got to support a lot of really cool, very different, like, like an array, you know, we had like a charcuterie of like bands we supported and it was such a good experience. Um, and everyone was so good to get along with and easygoing and became our friends. And like, there wasn't a single tour that we wrapped up and we were like, God, I'm glad that's over. We were always like, we don't want it to be done, you know? Mm -hmm. Which was like, of all those support tours, which was the crowd that you were like, whoa, like they surprised us. Like that we were, they, we really, we really went off with them. Um, oh man, it's hard to say. I would, I, I want to say I'm, I was the most surprised by like the Bronx and the Chats crowd, but those are, you know, punk, punk yeah. fans in essence. So I, I recognize that that's like not entirely accurate, accurate. I would say Destroy Boys probably surprised me the most. I was I was hopeful that Destroy Boys fans would take to us kindly, but I did not expect them to scream so much, to grab so much, to just like be so interactive and so supportive and and just like so punk, you know? And and these are kids. A lot of their fans are young. So it, it was really refreshing and really exciting. That's awesome. I caught the one with the Bronx uh, in Brooklyn. Oh, um, sweet. Yeah, that was great. I mean, I felt I it was like hard to tell, but I felt like the pit was a mix of like people who definitely came for you and drug church. Yes. And then also people who were like, I don't know what this is, but it's like clearly awesome. Yeah, that show out of all of the shows on that tour was probably the one that I was most in my head during because I think a lot of people that came out to that show didn't catch us. And I think a lot of people were at the bar checking out merch when we played. So it was definitely the most like daunting and challenging. And I was really proud of myself that by the end of that set, we got the room moving. It started out a little stiff. So I was like, oh no, mm -hmm. here we go. Like it's happening. Um, and then it, it moved around and it was awesome. And, and people, yeah, people were there singing along. People were I could tell there was people who'd never, you know, they didn't know what we were and they got into it. And that was a really good feeling. That was a good experience. That's awesome. I do feel like, I feel like I can say this as a local, but Brooklyn yeah. gets a reputation for like, you know, like folding your arms and not caring about yes. the opener, hanging by the bar. So it's yeah. always great when you see a Brooklyn crowd, like, you know, snap out of that. Yeah. I was going to say we had, we had played New York twice last year. I technically in 2022, and both times were like, we had never played New York before. They were, those were our first two times playing. And I would say we got pretty lucky with the reactions we had. We had an amazing reaction with the Destroy Boys crowd. We had a pretty solid reaction, like opening for Limp Biscuit, but we didn't play Brooklyn yet. So I was nervous about that. <laughs> and, and yeah, like that arms cross, like kind of cool vibe. Like I totally picked mm. up on that. And I was like, okay just going to come out swinging, you know, like I, I don't like, I'm not even thinking about it because that that's when I get a little intimidated. I'm like, Oh great. Like 
these aren't necessarily young people that are easy to get excited. Like I'm going to have to win these people over. I have to really showcase what I have. And that was nerve wracking, but it worked. Mm -hmm. It was fun. Yeah, totally. Um, so just to go to back to the headlining tour, um, you know, you got the chance to take out an amazing like list of openers. I mean, like restraining yeah. order, ankle biter, jive bomb, yeah. strange joy, gula Valley. Uh, were those like all handpicked by Scal? Yeah. Yeah. Everything was handpicked and I'm really grateful we got that opportunity to do that because we've never done a tour where we were like headlining or co-headlining with a band and we didn't pick, you know, and, and this is the first tour we've done where we were headlining and, uh, we've had s such a big team, if that makes sense, like, uh, like a booking agent and managers and, and so on and so forth. And that was intimidating to be like, do we have all of the power over this? Um, and we did, and it was awesome. And it felt great to tour with bands that I was a fan of. And, and I mean, I'm a fan with like pretty much every band we've toured with anyways. Um, whether I started out as a fan or not, like I always end as a fan, but that being said, that was exciting because it was like, those are bands I all anticipated watching and playing with. Um, I, I love Jive Bomb. I think their their music's just so catchy and so good. And, and Ankle Biter as well, their demo came out last year and it really stuck with me. I I love Rachel's vocal style. It It's like very like 90s hardcore and, and I love that. Um, and then uh, Restraining Order is one of my favorite hardcore bands. So touring with them was like a dream come true. Um, and, and of course, Ghoul, like his style is so cool, man. Like he, he's, he puts on a great show and it brings out a really cool crowd. So it was, it was a fun time. That is very cool. Oh, and Strange Joy. Oh my gosh. Right, Strange yeah. Joy. That's, I, I like space on that. They <laughs> are, they're going to be a big deal. I, I think some people are going to, some more people are going to catch on and, they're amazing. They're an incredible band. I definitely get that sense too. I mean, I think honestly, every band in that bill, I mean, yeah. obviously restraining order is pretty established, but like, I feel like like ankle biter and jive bomb and strange joy are like three of the most like, yeah, sort of like you might be next bands and not to get all yeah. industry talk, you know, yeah, like, totally. but, um, um, I mean, but yeah, from a hardcore point of view though, I, I genuinely believe like those are bands that are gonna like, they're gonna play the sound and furies the next couple of years they're going to be mm -hmm. playing the fya the this is hardcore is like they deserve that attention because they're just good bands you know and and i know hardcore people always catch on first because they know it's up you know yeah for sure i I've, i think i said this on a different podcast episode but two separate people like hit me up in the same week and they were like strange joy is like exactly what you're into <laughs> and yes, i was like i, I was like all right if i got like like there's no way it was like coordinated it was there it was just like you need to listen to this like yeah. i know what you're into this is for you and i was immediately like you know super into it and i just like can't wait to see what they do next they're great I love them. I love them as people. I love the band. They put on a great show and their recorded music is really good. So. Yeah. So speaking of recorded music, good transition. I want to <laughs> talk about your new EP. I think the first thing that everyone is going to notice is you're singing a lot more. Yes. Um, yeah. Obviously you, you sang on Seeds to Sew from the last yeah. record, um, but that was like this overall lighter song and now it's like you're yes. mixing everything together. Yeah. Um, so Tell me about this. Like when you 
when it when scal when you the whole band like went in was there this decision of like okay i'm gonna sing more we're gonna do melodic songs or like did it just kind of happen or none of the above it was definitely a decision that everyone uh, made and we all agreed on it was a little bit it was almost like we we like hyper fixated on the planning of it because we were kind of nervous you know it, it's a it's a change it's different and there's a lot of nerves going into doing something like that one because we don't want to alienate our audience so we want to write music that fits the growth we're making but also is not something that's going to like just completely change scale as we know it, you know, and, and that was really important and valuable to us going into recording and writing these songs. Um, we kind of like Malachi, he plays guitar and he writes a lot of like the basics of the songs. He, he comes up kind of with the structure and the riffs. Um, and, and he would, he was like, we're going to do two clean songs and three hardcore songs. And I was like, okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I don't want to like, you know, be married to this idea of it being this way and this way, you know. Um, but it worked out where we we managed to do two clean songs. We have um, Opening Night and Psychic Dance Routine. Um, and then we have two heavy songs, Shot Down and Wired. And then we have a song that kind of combines the two. And I'm really happy it worked out that way. And it wasn't... Um, some of those vocal melodies weren't exactly planned out. And some of them I, I was like, really had my eyes set on. Um, but yeah, and, and then the other reason it was very daunting was for me personally, I wanted to feel confident in my singing voice and, and not just in a recording, but like to take that on stage. Um, when we did Seeds, I, I hadn't really had much experience singing to a, into a microphone at all. Um, so when we started to play it, I struggled a little bit. I struggled hearing myself and I just wanted to nail that song. And I kind of felt like I wasn't for a while, um, had a lot of insecurities about it. And so the singing thing kind of got put on a back burner and I've been working very hard at it. I've been, it's mainly my um, confidence, but yeah, I, I'm really happy now. These are songs that showcase my vocal range, I think like. Um, and I think it showcases it really well. It's, it's not just this like soft whispery song. It's also like we have some powerful belts and we also have some runs that, you know, just show different, different vocal styles. And, and I'm really excited about that. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I'm surprised to hear, cause I think you have a great singing voice. Thank you. Um, <laughs> is that like, did you like sing as a kid or like, um, did you just like more recently realize like, Oh, I can sing. It's definitely a recent realization. I always sang growing up, but I was not a singer, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, sure. I never, you know, I, I did choir in freshman year. I've talked about that before. And, uh, I, I also did choir in middle school. I always forget about that too. But so I learned some basics like warm ups and, and um, uh, things like that. I learned that I was an alto. I learned, you know, a few things, but nothing really that, you know, intermediate, if that makes sense. Um, and then when I did sing on Seeds to Sow, um, that was on How Flowers Grow, I hadn't planned to sing on that song. That was originally going to be a, an interlude. And so the singing was again kind of a surprise to everyone in the band. They were like, oh, like you've had this in you. And I was like, 
I don't really know. <laughs> um, and I even get kind of shy now, like at practice. Um, but I'm getting more, more, uh, more confident. Um, and I, I sing a lot. I sing in the house. I, I just like to do it. I like to make noises. Um, so now it's, it's kind of turned into a thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I, for was, sure. I was always insecure about being, um, a singer, if that makes sense. Uh, growing up, I, I always was, I was just too shy to be that kind of person, to be that confident. Well, I think you have a great singing voice. Thank you. Um, I think, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, I think the new songs are awesome. I mean, like, and like you said, like, it's, it's not just like, oh, like I can do soft singing or like really angry screaming. But it's yeah. like, yeah, like real, like it's just got that like classic, like heavy rock, like, yeah, um, yeah it's just, it's super awesome. And yeah. I like that the, the first single is going to be opening night. Uh, yeah. Right. And that's cool. Cause it's like, I was it, were you thinking like, all right, like, if we're going to do this, let's just do this and like announce it with like, cause that's like one of the really singing ones. Like it's yes. not a hardcore song. Like, was that sort of the, we're going to show people off the bat that this is different <laughs> as opposed to like easing them in. We actually had a lot of arguments about that. We, we were struggling to decide if that was a good move or not. And personally, I am someone who's like, yeah, n no stops. Let's just do it. Let's just drop this and see how people react because at the end of the day, we're established enough at this point as a band where we've kind of figure out, figured out like the type of people we want to like our band. And I'm not worried about, you know, the crowd that doesn't like it, you know, if that makes sense. And, and the, I think um, the exciting thing about opening night is it's ironic. It's our first single, it's opening night. And um, I think that it's, it's what's also exciting about opening night and, and like this EP in general is it does have a lot more elements of just being rock music. And we did not plan on that. Um, it just happened that way. And the thing is we all listen to music like that outside of also hardcore and punk. Like we listen to a lot of just nineties rock, alternative rock, like, and we're heavily influenced by that. So bringing that into play is, is just fun. It's easy. It makes sense. So what were like some of the specific influences on this CP? Oh man. Um, I would say like on opening night for me, like vocally, uh, there's like a Nirvana and Sonic Youth kind of moments. Um, and, and it's pretty clear. It's very evident when you listen to that song, you're like, oh, that I totally see that. Um, and then, you know, like Psychic Dance Routine, again, vocally has, it's it's got some like, Almost, I mean, I'm a huge fan of like Billie Eilish, Olivia Rodrigo, any like singer songwriters like Lana Del Rey, Suki Waterhouse. Um, so I, you know, vocally uh, took inspiration from that with like some of the range on that song. And then I would say the writing on that song, again, like heavily influenced by like Sonic Youth. You know, it's got kind of these moments that are almost slightly dissonant. Um, but there's still melody there. And I, I think that that's a band Sonic Youth is a band that has nailed that. Um, and then with the heavier stuff, it's our classic influences, like bands like Sheer Terror and, um, like Negative Approach. We, we stick true to that and, and that I'm really excited about, um, just having those chuggy, angry, like side to side moments, you know? Yeah. I, I just like personally love seeing that, right? Like, I mean, yeah. not not to like compare every single current hardcore band yeah. to turnstile, but like uh yeah. but the way that like 
you know, their new record has like these obvious signifiers that you could only have in your band if you come from hardcore. Yes. But then yes. like they write these songs that people who listen to pop music like. And yeah. it's like that combination is like yeah. it's I like unique when you pull it off. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it yeah, totally totally. It's so powerful. And I totally agree. And personally, I know this might sound demonic to some people and you know, plug your ears, but I love I am a pop music fan, but I'm I'm a hardcore fan at 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 my heart, like a punk music hardcore fan at heart. And from my perspective, like I wanna write I want to be a hardcore kid writing pop songs. You know what I mean? Like I want to, I want to write, or, you know, I want to have that perspective um, going into the writing and, and the music. And, and it, I think that's really powerful stuff. I mean, it, and not even just like Nirvana, Sonic Youth, Sheer Terror, Negative Approach. We also took inspiration from um, like L7 and Hole, you know, with, with parts on opening night and, and then you look at like shot down and, and we've got this like heavy punchy thing going on. And then it goes into kind of this, this bubblegum like chorus. And that, that again was like heavily influenced by like kind of like nineties, early two thousands pop. And I love that stuff. Like I love it. So felt good yeah. to combine everything. Yeah, no, I mean like exactly what you just said is so like resonates so much with me. I mean, I've, this will sound pretentious. So like, sorry in advance, but like, I've like in the past described myself as like a punk who really likes Beyonce. I love you know, that. Like <laughs> I don't think it's pretentious at all. I don't think it's, I think liking pop music is something that we should accept more. I, I understand there's a difference between top 40 popular music mm -hmm. and like pop music in its structure and in its, in its core. And I am a pop music head. I love that stuff. I love it so much. And like Beyonce, for example, like she's, She's a fucking genius. So why wouldn't you be a fan? You know? Right. And there's like just as much innovation in pop music as there is in like underground music, sometimes more. Yes. yes. And I would say the people who are really crushing it in pop music got their start underground, got their start DIY or in punk. Like, and it's more than you realize. Like, I think 18 year old me who was a lot more pretentious about punk music and hardcore would have fainted knowing the people, the producers and, and the people who are working in pop world that they started, you know, with hardcore and punk, a lot of them, you know, and, and I, I respect that now. It's like insane to me how many of today's like hottest pop producers are just like ex-emo kids. Yeah. Like, like Jack yeah. Antonoff and like Dan Nigro really? and like, yeah, like. Yes. I'm such a Jack fan. Jack Antonoff mm -hmm. is, I, I adore and admire his work so much and I've been a fan for a long time like a lot of his projects are just really amazing and now he's he's a top producer of like pop singer songwriters like and and he has like a signature thing and I'm like I know what's going on here I love it it's amazing that's like refreshing to hear because I feel like you know there's so much Jack Antonoff backlash on Twitter. Like, what what would you say to somebody who is like, oh my god, like why does everybody have to work with Jack Antonoff? I'd be like, shut up, because he's amazing. I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm not. I don't usually talk to people like that, but sure. Okay. At the end of the day, when it comes to like music opinions, I'm very respectful. Mm -hmm. Um, if I don't like something, which is rare, because I like everything, and it's almost kind of a problem because like my friends will be like, this sucks, and I'll be like, no, it doesn't. I like it. Um, it sucks to you, you know, 
I, I recognize that music is extremely subjective, like any other art form. And when it, when I don't like something, I don't say I hate it. I don't say it sucks. I just, it's not for me, you know? But I, I think that like hater point of view of like, why does everybody have to do this? Why, why are they doing this? It's like, well, cause it works and you don't have to like it, you know, change the radio station. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of producers, tell me about working with Will Yip. Uh, um, working with Will Yip was a dream come true. Um, he's so fun to work with. He's very, very positive and he's so encouraging. And I think that partially helped make our uh, psychic dance routine flourish. Um, I, he really made it easy for me to sing um, when recording. And I, got, I started out really nervous and I told him, I was like, hey, like, I get kind of nervous. It's, it takes me a second to warm up, you know, in the booth. And he was like, that's okay. I know you got it. You got this. We're, we're going to crush this. And I was like, okay. You know, like still scared. I didn't fully believe him. And within 10 to 15 minutes, I was like, okay, I believe this guy. Yeah. Okay. We, we're going to crush this. This is going to be amazing. Um, and every, everything that we had an idea of, you know, he, if he didn't understand it or like it or agree with it, he, he was really encouraging and still very good at, um, talking it out. And, and he, he's, he's amazing at making, not making you. He's amazing at explaining his point of view and his idea and his take on the song or the structure or the melody and, and explaining it to you in a way that's easy for you to understand. Um, he makes everything amazing. It felt like I hacked music playing, like w working with him because I was like, wow, all this finally is starting to make sense. Um, I'm a lot less scared. So that was a really magical experience. He, there's some touches he made that I, to certain songs that made them, they brought them from like songs I'm really proud of that I, I think are great songs to like, this is a good fucking song, you know, like incredible songs. And I've never felt that confident about a scowl track. So I'm, I'm very excited. Had you met Will before getting into the studio with him? I had not met him in person. I, we'd like FaceTimed and stuff like that. Um, and like we were interacting a lot, but we had never met. So I was also nervous about that. Mm. Um, I, I mean, Will's done so many amazing records. What were yeah. like some of the records he's done that, you know, made you say like, oh, I'd love to make a record with that guy? Oh, man. Okay. So I don't want to like speak out of turn and like say the wrong record. So bear with me. Um, I just want to make sure that I get the right. I, I'm not good at a remembering everything right away but okay so here we go i was gonna say um 100 citizen um huge fan of citizen and i think that everything he did with them which i'm looking at it right now um he's done pretty much like almost everything and he crushed it was amazing um he did how the gods chill with cold world and i love that record so much um, and I know I'm not the only person in Scal who loves it, uh, Cole who drums. It's like Cold World is one of his most favorite bands. So he was personally really excited. Um, everyone in the band has like favorite records that Will has worked on. And the very obvious one being Title Fight. Um, mm -hmm. he, he crushed on Title Fights. Um, 
like on Shed, I Shed is probably one of my favorite, one of my favorite top 10 favorite records. Um, so just being in there felt like it was like I'm in standing in a place that is like history has been has taken place here. You know, um, I hope that makes sense. Yeah. But, and and I, I'm a huge fan of Tiger's Jaw, huge fan of Turnover. Like he's just done stuff with bands and like nothing, for example, like he's he's worked with bands that I just admire so much and that without a lot of those bands and those records like I don't know if I would be playing music so you know in hindsight looking at it like yeah these records are really important to me they influenced me heavily and now being able to work with the guy who was pretty much the secret member of these bands and made these records really happen that's that's a dream come true that was that was so cool and I feel like a lot of the records you're naming are these bands who, you know, really did like with each album kind of yeah. push the envelope and maybe make yeah. something that might alienate fans. Like it's, it seems like William's like a good person to have in the room when yeah. you're making that record. I mean, he's, he's amazing, not only with the recording process and, and the writing, like it's the pre-pro process, like his specific pre-production process is like it, it you combine all these ideas, these magical ideas you have when you're writing with your band and you're like, yeah, this is, this is so scale, right? You know, like you get into this world of this music you're writing and then Will steps in and he's like, all right, cracks his knuckles. And he, he, he pulls out like secret weapons. It's crazy, you know? And um, so that was, that was special. Very, very special. Awesome. So we're talking about Scalp kind of pushing the envelope musically. We're talking about hardcore kind of bringing in new fans, welcoming bands that experiment with new ideas. So I think like, you know, I know it might be weird to like talk about this for your own band, but like Scal's going to be one of the bands that brings people in, you know, like the way that Turnstile has, or I don't know, like Military Gun or Fiddlehead, yeah. like these kind of like Scal's going to be one of those bands. I think when like, you know, people hear opening night, when people see you at Coachella, like, um, so I mean, you know, finding yourself in this sort of moment, like what's your personal perspective on just kind of like being in this moment where, you know, people are finding hardcore for the first time and potentially being one of the bands who's going to help people do that. I mean, this is a podcast, so you can't see it, but my, my face just like, I was, I was showing so much fear just now because I'm at one, I love the idea of like so many more people getting into hardcore and becoming hardcore fans that is is so important to me and and i i think like i i look back at my own experience when i got into punk and hardcore and, and i remember just wishing i got into it earlier and now I'm, I'm over that i get it like it came to me at the right time but i'm just so happy that it's now becoming a bit more accessible um for young people who might be like me you know and and that's really special it's really important but the idea of my of scowl being um a band that is a gateway into that is so crazy to me and so scary, but in a good way, totally good, scary, just, um, freaks me out. Like I, I just never have been on that side of the coin. I was always a fan. I was always, you know, the person in the crowd on the barricade looking up and, and like, I mean, I always wanted to be on the stage, but I didn't think that that was going to be me. And even when the band did start, I didn't think it, it was going to be like, that kind of stage. So I'm really grateful and I'm really excited about that possibility. Um, but I'm also totally frightened because 
it's hard to wrap my mind around, you know. Um, I hope that makes sense and does not sound pretentious or anything like that. I, I'm just grateful. I'm really grateful. Yeah. And I also think like, it's just uh, obviously hardcore, any niche genre, like can get yeah. a little gatekeepy, right? With like when totally. new people are coming in. Um, and so I think it's, you know, maybe some people might disagree with this, but I think it's nice that we're in a time right now where new people are finding their way in and it doesn't feel yeah. like there's like as big of a barrier. Yeah. Not everyone's going to agree that it's a good thing that young, more young people are getting into hardcore or that hardcore is more accessible than any, any time before. And I respect that. Um, I understand why those people are, you know, they don't, why, why they would feel that way. And I get it. But I think part of that perspective comes from not experiencing being that kid alone in your room and needing that thing so badly. And not to say that they don't value their experience because they do. They have a, everyone who loves punk and hardcore, like had some sort of valuable, impressionable experience that made them so committed. You know, I don't think there's another subculture that people are more committed to, but that being said, they want to protect it, you know, teeth bared. And I respect that. Um, I was once in that position, but now looking back at it, I, I just recognize how much it, it's how important it is to me and how much it kind of in a way saved my life. Um, and I know that sounds almost religious. Um, but I mean, I love it. It's, it's so important to me and I love music. I'm in, I'm a music enjoyer, you know, but even further than that, I've always in my heart and I love punk and hardcore. Yeah. And I, yeah, I totally feel you. I mean, like, of course I get why people get that way. And I've yeah. probably been guilty of it at various points yeah. in my life, but it's like, nobody is born with a minor threat back patch. You know what I mean? No. Like everybody like finds yeah. their way in like, yeah. Um, so I, I feel like you just got to remember like, well, you don't have to, but it'd be good if people remembered like, Hey, yeah. you once weren't that cool too. You know, yeah. like you, you had your gateway, yeah. like it might've been a cheesy gateway and you know, and like, but. And, and that's um, the thing too. I've grown to a point where like in the past when I felt like embarrassed or shy of what, was my gateway. Now I'm proud. I'm so proud because those bands, without those bands and those artists, like I wouldn't, we wouldn't have Scowl. I wouldn't have something th that I get to do and I have the privilege to do that is so important to me and that I've, you know, that I love so much. I, I really obviously speak about this, like, like it's the most important thing to me, but it really is. I love it. I love music. I love creating music. And that's, something that I think that every person should have the privilege to do. So what was your gateway? Um, I would say probably My Chemical Romance um, is the first band I got into that is kind of leaning in that alternative, maybe heavy music, emo music, whatever vibe. And they were the most important thing to me when I got into them. Um, I was a kid. I was like 10 years old. And I remember watching... Um, on YouTube, I, I watched the Life on the Murder Scene doc, and I was enamored. I was like, I want to do this, you know. And and then, of course, time goes by, and and it goes through lulls, and and maybe I I I loved that band always, but maybe I listened to them less or accepted like I'm not going to be in a band one day. I didn't think that would happen, you know. Um, 
and I, I went through phases with different types of heavy music. I, I loved metalcore. I was into pop punk when I was a teenager. I wanted to go to Warp Tour. I was, you know, I was on Tumblr. I was reblogging Touche Mori and Law Dispute like stuff. And and I was, and it was like the story so far, the Wonder Years, modern baseball, all of that. And I had like an appreciation also for like more indie rock leaning stuff, of course. Um, I would listen to like the alternative radio station, but I never got like past that top layer. You know, I was always into like kind of the popular stuff, even when it came to like emo or, or pop punk or metalcore. But um, what changed is when I finally went to some DIY punk or hardcore shows and and the, that's like I got into bands like Drain and and Drain was really not as nothing compared to how, how they are now, of course, when I got into them. And I was like, wow, like this is like my little, my little secret. And um, Jawstruck was another band that I really got into. And they're a band from the Bay. And um, it's their band that I loved and, and like going and seeing them and getting to know everyone in the band literally brought me to meet a lot of my best friends now and, and the people I play music with now. So it's very special to me. Um, and of course, as I got further into hardcore and, and the DIY scene, I discovered bands like Dead Heat, Restraining Order, Ceremony, Sabertooth Zombie, like these kind of deeper cuts that weren't actually that deep, you know? I was just an arm's length away from them for a long time and I had no idea. And they really changed my life. So if someone's listening to this podcast right now and they're kind of new to hardcore, what's like, say, five current bands that you think they should know? Oh, that's such a hard question. Um, for me personally, because I love these bands, I would say Drain, Regulate, Restraining Order, um, Mind Force, and Gel. Those are, those are, that's a great charcuterie. You know, yeah, that's a great sure. array. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so what's next for Scal? Are you writing more? Are you doing a full length? Oh yeah. We're definitely going to be writing more. We, we, we're already writing. We, we have a lot of stuff that we've scrapped and we've come back to, um, over the past like year, we didn't really get much time to sit down and write in 2022. Um, so I'm grateful that we got to record the EP, but there's a lot of songs we didn't use on that EP that are almost ready to go. And so that's really exciting. Um, we're definitely going to be writing music. There's, there's no way we're not. Um, and then of course, like we're going to tour as much as we can and we want to really, um, focus on touring new places and, you know, as that stuff gets announced, I'm, I'm very excited about it. I'm excited to experience like, you know, travel to new places and, and the places I didn't think I would end up in my life. And now music's taking me there and I'm really excited. Awesome. If you had to guess, what do you, when do you estimate that Scal does like another full length album? Is like this year, next year, two years? I would, I, it's hard to say because our schedule gets so busy so fast, which I'm sure we're not the only people struggling with that. Um, but I, my hope is that by the end of the year, we have an album. Maybe it's not recorded yet, but that we have it written. I don't know if that'll happen or not. I, I don't know what time we'll have, but I, I hope so. 
Well, I can't wait to hear it when it's done. And uh, I can't wait for the new EP to come out. This has been yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add? I'm just happy to be here. Thank you for having me. That was a great time. Um, yeah. And if you're listening, thanks for listening. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kat. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again to Kat. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you heard, please give us a good rating. It doesn't take a long time, but it really does go a long way. Subscribe. Tell your friends about us. Any little bit is really appreciated. Thanks so much. See you next time.